Hey everyone, for some reason I cannot for the life of me get my uh, Roll20 music to play. So unfortunately, you're just not going to get uh, music. And of course the stream also has uh, connection issues, which is fun. Uh, welcome to 2024, Eric Watson here, freelance writer, player of games, writer for words, recorder of videos, and tabletop role-playing aficionado. This is my first uh, Crafting the Deep stream of the new year, the first since coming back from holiday break. And uh, this is where I build right and prepare for next session of Call from the Deep. You're playing characters Gottwald, Max, Sabra, or Twirl. Quit trying to sabotage this stream with your internet gremlins and technical difficulties. But uh, for the rest of you who are always very, very patient with me, and I'm just increasingly feeling like a Luddite when it comes to trying to do anything on the computer, apparently, uh, you are welcome. We stream our D&D sessions live on YouTube, starting up again with our regularly scheduled programming you can join our official Discord server with invite link in the description below. If you'd like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson for our campaign. We use Roll20 for streaming. I use OBS Studio. Hopefully, internet's the more important thing. Hopefully, that stays on. But look, I'm, I'm clicking the button. I'm clicking play. Oh, fuck you. Now it... <laughs> All right. Well, make me a liar, Roll20. I swear I clicked it earlier and it didn't do anything. Ah, uh, well, I guess it needed to catch up with me. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. It's only been like 10 days off. And uh, no, I haven't really thought about D&D &D at all since uh, the break. Uh, I, Yes, obviously it's a hobby. I love doing it with friends, but it's also a hustle, a business for me. And I think it's important to take breaks from that and vacation. So uh, saw a lot of friends and family and just had a wonderful, wonderful holiday break. Hope all of you had an absolutely fantastic holiday break and a wonderful new year uh and i'm now only now thinking about DD again which i would take this opportunity to jump ahead because i think we already kind of prepped a lot of bronzo mine and we really need to talk about chapter two of call from the deep because that's where i have kind of the least amount of content to work with in, in just maps but also like ideas and things i want to do it's going to take a lot of work but because this is my first crafting stream in like, gosh, how long has it been? I think I didn't do like the last three slots of craftings, which would be a Monday and then last Thursday and Monday. So it's been exactly two weeks since my last crafting the deep stream. So for that reason, we're going to go back to talking about Bronzo Mine because this is the next area that the player should be in. And I actually ended up changing quite a bit of it from what i remember good morning james morgan jacob bear lazy dm i know it's i'm i am cursed thank you know what i will i will take difficulty problems and internet problems during the crafting streams every time over the friday stream i don't what it is about the crafting streams particularly i've had so many issues with but not so much with the fridays except for that one time we tried doing like our what halloween one shot was cursed <laughs> but other than that uh, it's been weirdly smooth sailing on Fridays and then just whether it's Monday or Thursday, I tend to have issues during the crafting streams, but hopefully it's just a, a fun 2024 perk. So Bronzo Mine as written is supposed to be a dungeon crawl, but I think I'm kind of leaning towards turning it into just like a single combat encounter, like a big arena boss fight. My players have done basically two dungeons back to back we did the big underwater you know wreck of the golden crown uh 
Dungeon Crawl that took two sessions, and then before that we did the Nautiloid, which took a session, which is kind of a smaller dungeon. Neither of them have been like super lengthy, but they have been Dungeon Crawls, and then they've got this one here, which is a lot to throw at them. Now, they are getting long rest between all of these different dungeons. They got one in between the Nautiloid and the Wreck, and they got another one following the Wreck of the Golden Crown, and then going into Bronzo Mine, and in fact, they are also getting a level up. So we're going to do a level up episode next session, and it's five, which is the probably single biggest power spike that exists in 5e. Any DM and player who has played any amount of D&D will quickly recognize that. And they're getting to five fairly early. I had to look back through our campaign notes, and I believe you have to go all the way back to Storm King's Thunder before we leveled up as quickly as we're doing now. So it's much faster pace, which is something I try to work on in Rhyme, and something that I very much failed at in Tomb is uh, trying to just pace things out a little better and allow them to reach um, the higher levels a bit quicker, which is (laughs) the reason that's a problem is because that's such a big power spike and so much content for D&D is uh, specifically pre-level 5. So, But I think having them be level 5 for this dungeon will be fine because we're changing so much of it. Um, I still plan on using the Roper in the Water. We're going to change all of those commoners with Flensing Claws into this C-Spawn stat block. My light is flickering now. Are you kidding me? There has got to be something that's... Oh, by the way, to really add insult to injury, like, literally, it's, like, flickering. Um, my if, you, <laughs> if my webcam showed uh, to my left right now, you would see that one of my shelves collapsed. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um that's a little dramatic. It is basically the shelf has been dying ever since we kind of moved. It's one of those old cheap ass Walmart like MDF shelves. And I've got a bunch of heavy like old, you know, video game strategy guide books and uh, comic graphic novels and uh, Transformer figures, like all kinds of shit on there. And it my youngest at one point, like kind of laid down and put her legs on it and kicked it to where it was it, like cracked some pieces and that's been slowly dying. Anyway, I found it this morning. It was like completely leaned over against the wall, like half smushed. So I had to take everything off. And it's been a mess, y'all. It has been a mess. So now my office is half covered with all my nerdy shit. Well, it usually is covered with nerdy shit, but now it's like on the floor, which is not cool. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so for Bronzo, um, I, I like using the C-Spawn stat block instead of the commoners. And I think with Thiliosk, the incredibly powerful like CR-10... Mind Flayer, I think I'm going to use the opportunity as like maybe a villain monologue. Not, not, not like a real boss fight here. Uh, the boss fight is basically going to be the sea spawn and the ropers. It's going to be a classic scenario where you finally get to have a villain monologue and then he just summons a bunch of bad guys and then he disappears, which Mind Flayer is kind of equipped with like plane shift, which is uh, fantastic for escaping. I guess he only use it once per day, so but yeah, he he can just literally disappear, which is fantastic for what I need him to do. Yeah, everybody's thumbs up on the roper. And it's a great opportunity for the roper because one thing we did a couple of sessions ago was change Bronzo Mine. This was a giant just pit in the ground with a bunch of rust monsters, and I changed that painstakingly using uh, Roll20 art assets. Uh, shout out to Gabriel Picard. And filled it with water because it makes sense for this water campaign to have water in here. And I like the idea that this mine specifically is where the army was created. So right now the players, you know, my plan was from Wreck of the Golden Crown. They got the information about, oh crap, there's an attack coming to uh, Neverwinter specifically. And then they'll go to the mine to get basically just get further context. Be like, oh shit, here's where they like equipped 
all their enemies. Here's where also they transformed a lot of the populace, the captured people from Fiskerbach, uh, into these creatures known as um, Sea Spawn. That's something that maybe this guy in particular, this Mind Flayer, I believe it said in the notes, uh, in the Call from the Deep notes, that he's like the biological kind of scientist, uh, arrogant and unfeeling, zoological experimentation, creating new species of humanoid and subjecting them to torturous trials. Mostly an ill-fit laboratory above the Nautiloid, but the information they gathered in this arbitra- the abattoir is indispensable in the eyes of Zalix IV. Ilias brings this lack of empathy to new levels, never showing the slightest emotion, recoiling from telepathic communication, savoring the brains... Recoiling from telepathic communication? Well, I'm going to need him to talk. Savoring the brains of subjects that have been entirely broken through psychological and physical torture. So I'm, if I want to roleplay him like that, he's not the mustache-twirling villain. So what I'm going to really use um, is kind of just an alien almost robotic role-playing, like um, very clinical when he when he just spots the player, like feels their minds and be like above average intelligence, you know, very even keeled and kind of remark like, uh, you know, determination, extermination, and maybe like a sound wave kind of a, like a cadence when he speaks to the players and basically just saying like, yeah, these are more powerful than the ones he's been used to. Um, and he kind of knows that even though he's powerful, it's in his best interest to just escape from this area because his job is basically already done. He was just kind of doing cleanup duty. It's maybe they're only like, you know, days behind. This is just Iliosk's main laboratory. So we didn't go with the, the force and there were still some, you know, creatures he could stand to transform into additional, uh, sea spawn creatures. So, and I think the, the stat block does some cool things where you can, uh, use them, yeah, poison quills, tentacle, bite, just determine which one you want to do. So you can, almost like the, uh, what are the snake people? The Yuan-T, the Malison, I think, that have different options where like some of them have the head of a snake and others have snake arms and others have snake tails. Like, do you have a, a limb? Because we can snakeify it. And then that, you know, lets them do different attacks and abilities, which I always think is a neat idea for a stat block, make them kind of modular. Uh, that's kind of what's going on here is they can have these different abilities. Uh, still pretty weak, you know, low armor class and pretty low hit points, which is why we're going to use them in mass. We're going to use a bunch of these creatures. So I'm just kind of de- trying to determine basically the balance and kind of the order of events here because I'm be- mainly because we need them to fight in this big cavern, right? That's where the roper is. That's where he can, the roper can drag people into the water. Uh, maybe this, maybe the Illithid can even talk about how you know, one particular creature, you know, he can somehow the roper needs to be at the beck and call at the uh, mind flare. I guess I haven't thought that far ahead. Maybe he turned one of the citizens into a, a crazy concoction here with, I don't know how you go from person to roper, but it would be pretty nuts. And then the the electric eels is kind of a, a happy accident that it's kind of swimming around this uh, particular area. So my idea right now is the players, I am determined if we're going to do a skill challenge with getting inside or not. Maybe we will. The problem is I'm going to lose some time with the level up. And it's level 5, so it's a big one. And I definitely want to get through this big combat fight. So I guess I'll think about that some more. Although it's already Thursday, so we got to get that under control. Uh, but as written, there's a little bit of a skill challenge when it comes to even getting in here with like moving rocks out of the way and that kind of thing. So they can make it through this area, down the steps, and they will see this large, vast cavern... Uh, which has different elevations. So as designed, this this highest level is 60 feet up, although up just means the bottom of the water. So that's actually not even really relevant anymore. Instead, this is basically 
30, well, unless I want to change it and be like, there's a pit here. But it looks like, the way I did the map, it looks like the water is crashing like right up against here. So maybe I lower it. Because mm -mm. this doesn't look like a 30 foot drop. Well, I guess I guess it could be. You could be leering over. I mean, this this could be a cliff here. If it's a cliff and the water is actually 30 feet lower than the land, I guess that would help you be able to fit a, a ship. Because a ship is usually, you know, you got to fit the sails and shit. So maybe that makes sense that the water would be significantly lower. So I guess the idea is the water is at zero feet. This layer right here is 30 feet up, meaning there's two sets of cliffs here. And then this upper layer is 60 feet above the water. And the reason that's cool is because the roper then has a lot of fun opportunities to immediately drag people and immediately create a height difference, which I think is exciting. <laughs> so they'll see that. Obviously, they won't see the rope or anything in action. And this big cave doesn't really have anything else going on. There's supposedly a grick over here, but I don't see any reason for them to go into this rubble area over here. Um, initially, there's supposed to be a cranium rat, like hanging out in this... Uh, I don't know, bottom of the stairs or something, or a swarm of cranium rats. And they're just there to warn Thiliosk of any intruders. I like the idea of having him be warned of intruders, but I don't think I want to use the swarm of cranium rats because we just use them as a pseudo-boss fight at the end of the Nautiloid fight. So kind of been there, done that. So I'm thinking two options. A, I could either just have it be a magical glyph or some kind of alarm system that's triggered whenever the players, like, exit the stairs, or... Just throw one of these sad-faced sea spawn uh, hanging out right here as a guard. And they're all, since they're thralls, I guess they can all telepathically, you know, speak to Thiliosk and vice versa. And maybe he can use, you know, them to speak through or something cool. So basically when they step through here, they'll see one of these creatures. I guess I need to see at what point. Okay, so right now it looks like you can't see. There we go. So you'd have to at least go here that far so maybe i'll put him at least there and then that will trigger a cutscene effectively where i can have thiliosk address these characters and maybe he's been able to the, the only thing i don't want the characters to get the impression of is that he's the big bad he is he's definitely like the, a lieutenant of the big bad and I don't know, and maybe it's worth even throwing a uh, a red herring into the mix where they think that this is, oh shit, it's just a, a boss mind flayer is what we're up against. Uh, and I could even have him tease things like, you know, I I don't know, I just, I don't want to get too mustache twirling with it though. I, I keep wanting to like emote and really role play this character, but if I want to treat him like clinically and detached, maybe he pauses for a second as... Um, you know, Zelix 4 even summons him away where he kind of tilts his head and says like, yes, master. And he waves his hands and that summons a bunch of his thralls. And even he talks about, um, you know, utilizing a uh, particularly unique creation of his or something. And then he'll disappear and basically start uh, the combat encounter. Now I could do this in stages where the, initially they only have to fight this one C-spawn because they'll probably... I'm thinking about, in other words, having him talk through the sea spawn, like, you know, have it open its mouth, but like thoughts come out or something, rather than literally having him show up at all. Or I could have him 
maybe I could maybe I could get off his uh, psychic blast as an initial attack, but then disappear. I think I've talked about doing that. What if Sarvo takes counter spell and counters it? Yeah, I mean, this is the problem with level five, right? Like the, as soon as they take level five, spellcasters can start using spells to solve problems, <laughs> which good for them. Uh, and it can be fun. Like, if you watch our latest uh, Empire of the Ghouls uh, campaign, if you watch that latest episode, a player uh, uses a high-level spell to solve a problem. And on the one hand, I didn't get to use a lot of the things I was planning on doing, but it also created some cool memories and neat things going into that. So I guess I have mixed feelings on that. Counterspell, of course, is not a great example because it just denies everybody from doing things. And I can see why that's a... A spell that often gets banned at tables just because it, the spirit of it's not very fun, I guess. The counter level play there. And like you can argue, like, oh, well, if it's good enough for the player, it's good enough for the DM. Like, well, yeah, but that still doesn't make things more fun. It just kind of creates things like, oh, nope, you can't. <laughs> you wasted your time. Like, so I don't know. Counter spells, not the most fun. Also, it creates a, and my players don't actually take a lot of counter spells. I think maybe they feel that way too. Uh, Counterspell creates a, a tricky situation that slows the game down where like every time somebody's about to cast a spell, you have to kind of pause and see like, oh, like what spell are they casting? And like, do we identify the spell, which is something I like to do because I don't think the players would know automatically, but then you add roll skill checks and it just, it slows everything down. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of understand why Counterspell, <sighs> Dispel Magic is a lot more nice because you give players a chance to turn something off that's already been turned on which i think is much more fair and it takes an action all that but counterspell is just an action to deny somebody from happening on both sides of the of the table right on the player end and the dm end um i i don't like it and you will find that i very uh, use counterspell unless it's like a specific care, uh, creature's thing or something, I guess. Like, you mean like spellcasters? I, I don't know. I feel like... Un, un, or the characters are maybe using it and I'm using it back. But again, that just creates a terrible arms race. Yeah, Bear, I, I'll probably agree with that. And that's what I was just saying. <laughs> terrible, terrible spell on both sides. It, it's not so bad that I've had to ban it. But I think it's because my players understand that it's just kind of not fun to uh, utilize. Happy New Year, Captain Mike. So, yeah, Mind Blast, DC 15 Intelligence Save, 60-foot Cone, or what is that, 20-some Psychic Damage, and be stunned for a minute. That actually could be a great way to get off his villainous speech. Like, I just need to figure out how, like what DM magic I can use to get that off. Like, can he erupt? You know, it did say that by using a Shield of Farsight, um, he could do the magic so i did establish well i didn't establish because i didn't use it or i did didn't i i used a i used a um i didn't use that ability specifically but i used like a dumbed down like a mind spike version or something during that boss fight of wreck of the golden crown yeah technically you can use his mind blast action while peering through the magical eye of a shield of farsight so if i'm just arguing that they can do it out of any thrall maybe that might be too powerful versus having uh, an item uh, that can maybe do it. Or maybe it's got its eye removed. Like it's it's one of its eyes are missing and it's got like a gem in there implanted or something and that's how it can like, this gem like pulses, I don't know, come up with something. 
anyway, so maybe it's cool to have him start the villain, uh, Thiliosk, start with this. The point is, I don't, I just don't want the players to fight him because even though at level five they might have a chance by themselves, it's still just not. I don't think they're still ready to fight a mind flayer yet. But I think it's fun to scare them by by unleashing this ability first, and then he can even do his monologue because if they're stunned for a minute. He can just monologue for a hot second. Now, anybody who's not stunned would be able to respond, and that might cause him to be like, oh, shit. Like, I need to get out of here then because they're powerful enough to rebuff me uh, against being stunned. Also, technically, people can repeat the save, I guess, at, after every six seconds. So, But DC 15 intelligence is not something most of them will be able to do. I've probably looked at this before, but I assume only Savra... As the wizard would have a decent intelligence save. Gottwald, of course, has a plus zero. He's, I don't want to say min-maxed. He's very just um, specifically built. <laughs> min-maxed says you're, you're excel at those two. I don't know if he excels too much yet. Uh, plus one intelligence for Mac. Savra has a plus seven as the wizard. And Twirl has a plus one as the Warlock slash Fighter. So yeah, you're looking at plus zero to plus one for all these intelligence sayers. There's a good chance most of them will get locked down. And again, taking 22, which what a hell of a way to start a fight. So I'm leaning towards maybe able to do that. But then having him go, having him leave and not actually like start a full combat fight. Um... But then maybe, you know, having the C-spawn attack. And then when he leaves, he summons these additional C-spawns. So you can see I've got this door locked. And this is literally going to be a case of me just taking all four of these, putting them, like, right here with the door open, and then starting initiative with all of these creatures. Now, it'll be interesting if I do get that... Uh, if I do decide to do the Mind Blast thing, and then everybody... And a couple of people are stunned for a long time, that could actually get really nasty with their little attacks they have because i think stun it's now stunned is not paralyzed but attack rolls do have advantage and these things i think have about three different attacks because i get the two basic ones the other one now they're pretty weak that's the thing like they're just they're used as shock troops but stunned pcs can be pretty nasty but then i also want to be able to get the roper in there so you know when do i trigger that so this is all what i'm thinking and and all of this is leading to the fact that this is going to just be one big combat encounter instead of one big dungeon crawl, which is kind of what you think it is going into a, a classic mine situation. And there's even all these multiple rooms back here. I've kind of been locking these off. This is actually um, a, a secret door right now. So it could just be this one office room, but maybe I'll have him. I don't know. Maybe I'll open it up just to let them. I, I do want to create some loot here, but there shouldn't be too much loot if most of the army is gone. It'd just be, like, different things this guy's been, like, working on. Like, I definitely want to give them the Survivor Mantle. Survival Mantle? Because that's a really good piece of loot that he's been giving um, a lot of the shock troops. And a good excuse of, like, why they can all go, like, underwater. Although C-Spawn, I believe, can go in the water in general. But just, you know, creatures. Uh, most of the creatures should be amphibious. But for the few that aren't. I'm trying to look through the treasures. Uh, you can get a Survival Mantle. There it is. Carapace-like augmentation. You can only wear it. Uh, Survivement is equivalent to a suit of non-magical half-plate armor. So, gosh, what is that like? In fact, you have to have heavy armor. Let's see. Carapace-like in cases. 
Portions where his shoulders, neck, and chest from is equivalent to a suit of non-magical half-plate armor and take just as long to don or doff. So that would actually just be better than the Mariner's armor I think they got while these, because half-plate, I assume, is heavy. Okay, so that's actually different than the Cloak of the Manta Ray that I was picturing, which is something anybody can use to gain, um, basically, air breathing. A creature wearing a survival mountain can breathe normally in any environment and has advantage on saving those against harmful gases. Insert joke here. And the breath weapon of some dragons. That's, okay, that's even better. Now that can you breathe underwater, but you also have advantage against a bunch of uh, gas-related dangers. Hey, Eric. Go team Eric. Playtesting MCDM's new RPG. How is that, by the way? Uh, I haven't been able to do any kind of like dive into it or explore it. Uh, Matt Colville's uh, I believe just wrapped up the new big new RPG uh, that his team is working on. It certainly looks interesting. Um, I definitely think there's room for <laughs> uh, more D&D inspired RPGs out there. I, I respect Pathfinder, but I personally am not looking for a crunchier... Uh, fantasy RPG. There's a lot that I think is cool about Pathfinder and the way they do a lot of things, but it also just feels kind of overwhelming in a lot of ways. And I have not played it, I which something I, I thought about maybe introducing uh, to my group just as like a starter kit thing. Uh, but I have reviewed a number of Pathfinder uh, products, and I think I did review the Pathfinder 2e starter adventure at one point. Just like the, the one that's like a, just a dungeon crawl. I mean, so it seems there's definitely some interesting, and, and I and I played through uh, Pathfinder, whatever the latest uh, video game was, to Wrath of the Righteous, I think. So I definitely grokked uh, the rules and stuff. But that's also as somebody who's played, you know, whatever 20, 30, 30 years of RPG video games now. So it's not too hard to wrap my head around that stuff. But it's it's not something I necessarily want to look at for a fantasy RPG. But if, but if something is more like a cleaner five E, that's even more elegant and maybe uses elements of like four E. Versus 5e, because I know a lot of my complaints are about like spell slots and spellcasters being too expensive. And a lot of these things were kind of solved in 4e, but also 4e had some problems. If that's something that Colville can tackle, then something I would definitely be uh, interested in looking at. Well, still not just trying to be another skin of 5e, I guess. You go on a whole rant about that kind of thing. But uh, definitely let me know, and especially in our Discord channel, is probably the best way to have these conversations about all these... Uh, Interesting new avenues to explore. So, I'd like to get off the mind. I think the mind blast as the initial, like, oh shit, this guy's pretty strong and can just do this to everybody. But then he disappears and he summons a bunch of bad guys, which I think is immediately interesting. I've got them in waves, so I'm going to do four initially. We've got this one here. Again, I'm not sure if I even want to use him or if I want to have Thilios, like, appear. Although he can only technically plane shift once per day, so I can't have him, like, appear and disappear technically. Other than, like, DM magic. And it wouldn't make sense for him to be hanging out out here. Um, but I like the idea of him mind-blasting, you know, everybody. And then maybe he can even stay in the back. You know, I've got him sitting here in the hallway. He could even stay in the back. Uh, you know, we can open all these doors to where when, once the players defeat all the enemies and they reach inside, they'll see him and he'll have another little speech, you know, prepared to throw down with them. Or maybe he's trying to escape. You know, he's getting his bug-out bag. And he's going to shift and be gone. 
don't know if that's more anticlimactic or if I need to disappear from here. I guess I'm still trying to work out all these details, and tomorrow's the session. But I do have them in waves with four here, another two C-spawn. Uh, a lot of that kind of depends on how that initial mind blast goes off, if I want to get that off. And then somehow we need to enter the Roper is going to be basically the real boss fight of this area, which I think is pretty appropriate. They've got a high AC, a high number of hit points, um, and it's just suspended above the water where there's a cool lightning yield like swimming around, ready to fuck up anybody who falls down there. I do need to make some treasure in here. Maybe if somebody falls into the water, they'll be able to see some leftover treasure that was left behind. I mean, there was a lot of coming and going in this whole area. This is where they stole a lot of stuff and uh, outfitted their uh, armies and everything. So there should be some... They, there should, in other words, there should not be like a vault of treasure here because they would have given uh, their armies whatever treasure they had to go fight the war. But maybe there could be stuff like that survival's mantle... So just leftover things that he was like working on and experimenting and building. Um, and yet I, I do want to reward the players with some stuff because, I mean, this is a pretty tough challenge. This is kind of technically all optional now at this point because the players learned that they need to go to Neverwinter for the next step of the quest. So this is kind of just a purely optional thing that they need to like tie up a final loose end because they keep seeing like, you know, tracks leading to the mine and all that. Gosh, because what is in here normally? A plus one long sword, mithril chain shirt, and a brooch of shielding. Now, that's normally not even going to be found. That's actually both these big treasure chests are very unlikely to be found. That one's in the middle of the forge, which is no longer exists in my version of the map. And then there's another big treasure chest located in a secret room that they would, like, it's beyond a secret wall that they would ne never find. And then you have to pass, like, a guillotine tomb of horrors type trap to even get inside. And you can find a bunch of potions, a plus one dagger, and a drift globe, which they already have. So, I don't know. Uh, in terms of treasures, somebody has some good ideas about things that um, you would find in an area that a mind flare is uh, capturing people and outfitting an army with. And just where armies like met up. Specifically, I think he's been, you know, creating these troops. And, you know, giving them all these biological enhancements and things. And then perhaps they were enchanting their... One cool idea I have, which is teased in this campaign, is that one of the uh, ships can actually like, go underwater and then re-emerge because of some magic enchantments it's got. So maybe they were able to do some of that uh, here. And that's why, you know, because clearly like, well, wait a minute, you we have a ship in here because there's in the middle of the water? Like, yeah, and I think that's a cool idea. It's like they were able to go underwater completely and then come up. Maybe, or maybe they had some kind of special just ironclad submersibles, these giant, uh, what do they call the apparatus of Qualsh or something where it's the submersible. You could argue they even had uh, some of those available. So maybe they're just straight up had submarine technology using maybe some of their Nautiloid stuff. And that's how they're essentially they need to be able to surprise Neverwinter with a big Blitzkrieg style attack. And if you're just, you know, on the horizon with a bunch of ships, uh, you might not be able to do that as uh, effectively versus if you're able to appear suddenly from under the water. Are you going to use Thilioska's gas canister? Mutation table is one of my favorite parts of his stat block. Um, I probably not. Well, I guess I could look at it. That requires me to actually have him stick around and fight more, and I'm just really worried he's so fucking powerful. Um, especially if I want to use the other ideas, like the Roper and increasing the... Basically, I've, I've upped the challenge of everything else. Uh, you know, there's no longer commoners with claws or 
you know, a bunch of cranium rats. Now there's a, a roper in the middle of this den with a huge, you know, pit and water at the bottom. And then you've got all these sea spawn, which are a lot stronger. Not they're not super strong, but they're definitely stronger than commoners. So that kind of balances it out to where I don't really want to use the Alaska himself very much. So he's got, yeah, his extra thing is gas canister, 5d10 poison damage as a, it says melee attack. Is that really supposed to be a melee attack? I thought a gas canister was like him chucking like a, a grenade or something. I guess he's cracking it open and shoving it in their face. DC 20 con save. That is a hilariously high, high save. Or suffer one of the following effects. They can either be poisoned for one minute, uh, develop short-term madness, uh, mutate, target is tunned, and then roll a percentile dice and consult the mutations table. Are, is that permanent? Mutations table. Uh, or gain a level of exhaustion. Let's see if I can find a mutations table. Magic surge, magic, random encounters, see madness. I think some of these are the ones that I made further down. Yeah, the last couple are the ones I made. Indefinite uh, madness flaw, illithid layer mutations. I don't think that's it. Ooh, yeah, these are gross. Creature's eyes push out of its head at the end of stalks. Oh. And that's just permanent. One of the creature's legs grows longer than the other. Reduces walking speed by 10 feet. Creature's eyes become beacons. Filling a 15-foot cone with dim light when they're open. A pair of leathery wings brought from the creature's back. Giving it a 30-foot flying speed. What? The creature's ears tear free from its head and scurry away. The target is deafened. That's hilarious. No, these are a little too crazy. <laughs> the target grows another head. <laughs> I have to update the art to utilize these. Huh. Especially because it comes out of nowhere. Like, this guy can just do that on a whim. I like talking about the MCDM bear. Take on a portfolio heroic and cinematic. It's amazing, but also very different. I don't find Pathfinder that crunchy. If you want to play, I'm sure we could sort of session run stream at some point. Hey, yeah, I guess... Maybe crunchy is the wrong word. I am a bit intimidated by the fact there's like 30 classes. <laughs> I don't think that's very user-friendly. And having to know like build... It just reminds me of playing like Nimrod Knights and like having to like theory craft your character at the beginning. Like, all right, I'm going to take these feats and make sure I've got, you know, these right skills and spells. And I think 5e is a lot more forgiving when it comes to that kind of thing. Not that we're like, I don't know, not proficient at doing that. I am interested in no to hit rolls. Yeah, that seems a much different game, which could be a really interesting one. Because I do think it sucks to fight against like high AC and you just don't do anything, right? You're like, oh, you miss, like, oh, like you know, it just it's same thing as casting a spell and like creature makes a save. You're like, oh, you <laughs> know, it's like, well, that sucks. So I feel like them trying to fix that and speed things up, be like, yeah, you're always doing something effective. I wouldn't mind if a lot of spells at least had the, like, you know, because, like, damage spells, it's, well, if you make the save, they take half damage or something. Like, I feel like there should always be some kind of effect um, if somebody makes a save. I feel like, what was it, Pillar of Eternity had a good solution to that, where it's like, even if you were debuffing them, there were, like, different, le there were a bunch of debuffs and things in that game to where it was kind of overwhelming, frankly, but if you were trying to do this debuff... And then they made the save, and instead they'll be affected. And maybe Pathfinder has that too. Instead they'll be affected by like this lesser debuff or something. 
you're trying to like stun them and then that um, doesn't work then they'll be slowed instead that kind of a which feels a little bit better I as a player when you're trying to do a thing but yeah I don't know about the gas canister thing it's a little crazy versus I mean why wouldn't you just mind blast like mind blast is so powerful I get that it's on a recharge but if I just want him to do it once as a pretty frightening thing but do I even have him show up I like the idea of having him talk through a thrall, which is going to be one of these sea spawn, which I can describe this creature, you know, in full detail as they come down, make it a real horror thing. Um, as the creature turns, but they see like one of yeah, one of its eyes is like missing or something, and it's got this weird replacement eye or thing going on, and that's it like glows, and then they hear, you know, opens its mouth just because that's what it thinks it needs to do, but then they hear the voice of Thiliosk, and it can speak to them, and then. Perhaps he can get off his uh, mind blast thing, and then that's what. And then following that, that summons a bunch of sea spawn, and then maybe depending on how that, he's got to figure out when to trigger the roper. Then too, what's the distance on the roper? I think I'm. I might be doing this too railroady, but to do cutscenes like that, you kind of need to take the reins a little bit, and I do think it can be very effective. And like I said, we just had two dungeon crawls where the players kind of could choose all kinds of choices on where they went and how they tackled each situation. And here I'm kind of twisting things a little bit by teasing the fact this is yet another dungeon crawl, but it's really not. It's basically just one big arena fight because I've got this giant-ass room that I spent a long time like fixing up and really thought would be a pretty good... Battle opportunity. And mainly because once we fight in this big room, anything that happens in here just feels kind of pointless and anticlimactic after we've just fight a whole bunch of creatures. It's just kind of pure investigation. Like, why would... If he knows they're here, you know, why would he not just send out all of his troops out to get them instead of leaving them back? So, mainly because... I mean, the Roper is just fun as hell. I guess the other thing I could do is leave them back here, do his villain speech, do the stun thing, and then just have the Roper attack first and just let them deal with the Roper by itself. Slash, I guess, with this one C-spawn. And 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 having do, done the Mind Blast, or I don't do the Mind Blast thing at all. There's just too many fucking options here. <laughs> I could not do the Mind Blast at all. Uh, just have them, just have him give his speech with this C-spawn, and then just summon a bunch of creatures, but then also have the Roper attack? The Roper has 50-foot range with its tendrils. Obviously, I can move it until I spawn it on the map. I can move it where it needs to go. And I believe it can attack up to four... Yeah, four attacks with its tendrils, uses real and makes one attack with its bite. So it can... Attack everybody with a tendril. Uh, real, they pull up to 25 feet straight toward it. So, fun fact, they will not, unless it gets them, like, right here, will not be able to actually bite them in the first round. So as of right here, 50 feet is basically the bottom of the stairs. I need them to come a little bit further out. Obviously, I can move the roper, I guess, slightly, but maybe I'm triggering things too soon. Maybe I tuck this guy back, let them step out into the area, and then have this creature, like, wander out and then snap its head over and then start the thing, and hopefully they've gone a little bit further. 
guess I could go it from that square, don't I? He's he's two two by two squares. Okay, now fifty goes to the top of the stairs. So we can easily lash onto them and drag them. Twenty-five feet only takes them. Obviously, the closer they are, the better. I would love to get them over the water. Can it only use his real? Vortex Sentinel uses real. Okay, for those of you who've run a roper, which for me has been forever, can it use real four times or only the tendril four times and then only use real once? I feel like the idea is it can reel with all of its tendrils. Also, restrained is fantastic. Dust of dryness, one of my go-to items and water is involved. Great in case of leak and the water is saved for later. Yeah, that could be a good one. Have him show up to show a strong, serious villain early. You know, I like um I do like putting some kind of face here, right? Because the players have spent this long trying to even figure out like what is the enemy here? What is the plot? And then over the course of the last few sessions, they have discovered or confirmed their suspicions that its alien mind flayers have landed on this island and are causing problems. They don't know to which the extent of those problems are. And in fact, they're far, um, much more far reaching than maybe they uh, thought. They thought maybe it was just on this particular island. This island was merely the first step in a staging ground for the wider conquest. But now they have learned that mind flayers are the problem. However, they still don't really have a good like villain, like a single character to tie it all together. And that's where I'm really looking forward to actually having a villainous character that I can, you know, show to the players and say, you know, here is one of the big mind flayers from that Nautiloid. He is not the big bad. He is working for the big bad, which normally means he would be fair game to fight. So the other thing I could do is make this a really insane fight and actually use a mind flayer, probably not his actual stat block, but like a standard mind flayer, and let him actually fight a few rounds, but then he would escape if he needs to. My concern is that at their level, and especially with the way I've kind of rebalanced things to make everything else a lot stronger, uh, they would have a lot of problems fighting a mind flayer in general, let alone a CR10 version of a mind flayer. Just because of that that Mind Blast is such a devastating ability. Maybe I'm being too uh, coddling for my PCs, which I often get those criticisms, which can be fair, because I often underestimate what my PCs can do. I mean, it's got, yeah, the same Mind Blast. AC 15 and 71 hit points for a normal Mind Flayer. Filiosk is more than that, which makes sense as a boss-level uh, scientist guy. I'm not particularly thrilled with his gas canister ability and be able to like mutate people with gases. I think that's, is that what he's been doing to all these people? Otherwise, I think his other stats are pretty much the same. Oh yeah, he's got this weird ass uh, creature that touches him or hits him with a melee attack. Let's take a DC 15 saver contract a disease. Target can't regain hit points. Target's hit point maximum decreases by 1d10 just by attacking him. Is kind of crazy. <laughs> Oh, that's kind of a cool idea, Jacob. It's a sea spawn with a gas cannon and chases it into a roper with a creepy description or something. The problem is, uh, the roper is in such a specific spot. Uh, but you could do something like there's just a large, you know, 
uh, Stalag. I'm not going to get it right anyway. <laughs> One of them. I tried to think about the rule. <laughs> I don't I don't remember it. Um, one of those uh, rock formations hanging from the uh, top of the cavern. And uh, maybe, maybe he does, like, actually create it right then. That is a good idea. He just hurls his, like, canister of, like, mutations, and it suddenly turns into a roper. And that's what he does when he fucks off. That's uh, when the Mind Flayer leaves. Maybe he's been summoned elsewhere. And I could even tease the fact that it's for whatever reason. Like, maybe he's like, gets a far-off look and the players hear, like, the sudden presence fill the room and his head cocks and he's like, yes, master. And he turns and, like, hurls, you know, one of those canisters he's got at the rope, at the, at the stalag thing. <laughs> and it turns into a roper. I like that idea. That's a good idea. I'm going to write that shit down. And that's a good coda to, like, when he's going to get that battle off. Now, he could do that instead of Mind Blasting. If I keep... Because I guess my main concern keeps being the Mind Blast. Maybe that's... Or he does the Mind Blast and then summons the Roper. And then maybe we don't end up using very many C-Spawn. These are all just waiting in the DM repertoire if I want to actually use any number of these or not. I've got six waiting here. Maxed out Mind Flare at this level is a TPK, says Tribal. Better to have him intro himself, one strong attack, and leave. Like your D is called away by Z. Yeah. Shout out to Zelix4. Yeah, so normally I think when you fight a villainous lieutenant, you can fight that lieutenant because it's just cool to be able to fight a main villain and you're not technically fighting the big bad. But in this case, they, they can't even actually fight the lieutenant yet. The lieutenant is that strong. But that's... You know, that could be the sense of progression. Like, oh shit, we, we're just now meeting our first Mind Flayer. We're not going to be equipped to battle this thing. Thankfully, it's not sticking around to actually kill us all. And instead, it's been called away. And it's just going to sick a bunch of minions and still create this really dire, crazy battle they have to deal with. So I guess my worry is just the the order of events here. So I like... I think I like the Mind Blast just to show... Because the Mind Blast shows off how powerful these things can be. And how nasty it is. And then he is prepared to, like, by mind blasting, he is prepared to, like, take them and, you know, mutate them and do all this crazy, horrible things to it. And then maybe the context of my cutscene changes depending on if e any of them make the save. If none of them make the save, then he can just continue on with his, you know, villainous ideas of doing terrible things to them and maybe marching out a few of the c-spawn to, to try to grab them although i do have to i guess technically i don't know if i go into initiative right then or if i treat it with a little dm magic because technically they get to repeat the save at the end of each round which is like a solid six seconds um and if you make the save though then that when he, that's when he can realize oh shit these guys are stronger than the average person that have come that we've met you know they haven't really come across any level five adventurers in around the island of gunderland so that's when he would maybe turn around and uh, create the Roper in his stead. Or maybe he's prepared to attack them, but then he's called away by Zelix 4, and then he creates the Roper. But he's still got all these C-Spawn, which I could reduce the number. Of, or, or just maybe, probably just add them in waves. Like, I've got four initially, but 
again, if like a lot of them get spawned, you know what? The number of C spawn that gets spawned in the initial fight will probably be due to how many of them make the save against being uh, mind blasted. If uh, a lot of them make the save, then there'll probably be more C spawn. If fewer of them make the save, then we might summon some more C spawn in there. They are completely up to my idea. I could change this to a different. I actually randomly rolled hit points, and for some reason, it ended up being like the healthiest one of all. So. I don't know which kind of C-Spawn I'll use for these various ones. I could even try to come up with some different abilities. I think this is the initial uh, stat block of C-Spawn, where they have kind of a bite attack, a ranged quill attack, and then a tentacle thing. Although the tentacles can be less impressive when you've got a roper around. The tentacle envy. Yeah, so they've got a bite, which I did make the bite stronger, because otherwise it's the exact same as an arm strike. Poison quills, which is ranged and can have the poisoned condition. I'll just say it's actually melee. I think I changed that too. I made it actually a ranged attack. And then tentacle, which has a longer reach and has a chance to uh, grapple. I don't know what other cool like things could I give if I want to get really wild with it. The problem is I have to remember which one is which. <laughs> like which creature can use what ability. Or maybe they've got all of them. Maybe they're all just all kinds of mutated with all these different features. They've got like one tentacle hand and like spikes coming out and I just don't care. And they just use different abilities depending on how I'm feeling. Yeah, I did make that a range attack. Range 30, 60. Only 1d6 poison damage. They have like no dexterity. But the poison condition, that's the pain in the ass. So I guess I don't really need to use... I don't know if they'll physically ever see Thiliosk versus having Thiliosk talk to them through the... Do I have a handout I can give them? Because that would actually help. I do. Okay. Maybe I'll just show them the handout rather than the token. Somehow you see this image in your head. It's a cool... I mean, they, they did... Uh, JBC Perry got... I believe original artwork done for all the head lieutenants. I will say one disappointing thing with this campaign, while I was really excited to see all these, uh, like, Mind Flayer bosses, like lieutenants with, like, their own, you know, personalities and motivations and things. And I was really excited, like, oh, this is the first one they find. That's so cool. I wonder where they'll see the others. I think there are four of them, and three of the four you don't see until the final dungeon, if I recall correctly, which is a, a hugely missed opportunity in my mind. I think the... The more satisfying thing would be to split all of these lieutenants around at, like, various important parts of the story. So maybe there's even one Mind Flare that's, like, at the head of the, you know, Armada somewhere. Maybe they... I don't know if one would be there. But uh, hopefully I can create them at big, cool dungeon opportunities where we're all doing certain things. Maybe there's one that's with the Sawagan actually, like, there making sure you know, things are taken care of. Like, they're always, like, the bosses behind um, each of the various, you know, evil factions or something. It, it, it feels like a waste to, like, leave them all in that final dungeon. I need to refamiliarize myself with these creatures and see because I'd hate to... I'd hate to just have it be where they're all at the end. I mean, you could definitely put at least one at the end as a, you know, mid-dungeon boss fight. Although that that final dungeon, honestly, I need to reread it, but it is insane with how huge it is and how many creatures there are. Yeah, it's 90... Just looking at it through the journal right now. 
It's got like 90 rooms. <laughs> it is ridiculous. It's all like tier three underwater dungeon crawl. Uh, Ascarl is the name of it. But they're like three of the four of these boss mind flayers are not encountered until you get to there. Trying to find is it under Colony of Zelix 4? Attendance of Zelix 4. Okay, I don't know if this is the right one. There's Druskis, which is one of them. Does it tell you where they're found? Yes. Locations, Elder Brain Chamber. Uh, the other one is Luzgragal. Luz? Luzgragal? Who is found in the Illithid Lair, Luzgragal's Chambers, which is also, I believe, the uh, final area. 22 to 59. And then Tharseli? Tharkus? I don't know if I'm pronouncing any of these. <laughs> That's cool. I love the artwork for him. Oh, he's on Gunderland scouring the sea. I don't know what that is. Or Illithid Lair. Yeah, so they're all... Three of them are normally found there. And then the fourth, the fourth is Thiliosk, who is happens to be found fairly early on to where he can literally TPK the party very easily. Tenogarod would be a good one, actually. Yeah, is that too strong? I feel like my spellcasters have both had better loot than my marshals, however. So, if I had to choose, like, type, I think the marshals could maybe use some more love. Uh, for example, Quarrel's already got, like, a magic spear, but gosh, he would fall in love with a tentacle rod, wouldn't he? He's all about the tentacles. And in three of our tentacles holding the rod, you can use an action direct each tentacle attack creature you see within 15 feet of you. Each tentacle makes a melee attack roll with a plus nine bonus. I guess he wouldn't have to. You could, like, Gotwell could wield this. Plus nine? Good lord. Tentacle deals 1d6 bludgeoning damage to target with all three tentacles. It must make a DC 15 con save. So you get to make three attacks, right? To direct each tentacle attack creature you see within 15 feet of you. And it kind of bestows a unique buff. Creature speed is halved, disadvantage deck saves, and can't use reactions. Kind of the slow spell. Moreover, each of its... Yeah, it is like the slow spell. <laughs> Interesting, if you get all three of them with it. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I have to imagine they're going to get this rod at some point in this campaign. In fact, we can check real quick to see if it's on here. I mean, you don't make a... It's not. That's crazy. Thinking you don't make a water campaign without the tentacle rod, but maybe you do. There's a trident of fish command, trident of warning, a vicious trident, so many tridents. You don't have the tentacle thing? Wow. Surprising. So, well, unfortunately, the next crafting session, we won't be talking about bronze or mine. Hopefully, we'll have completed. My goal is to get through this area in a session, right? We're going to do, do a level up, which is big. They're going to go to the mine. And we're basically just going to trigger one this one big fight scene, I think. I don't see any reason to separate this out and like let them go room to room and fight all these creatures. Like I think Thilios is going to be aware of them pretty early, trigger everything in this main room, try to get as much fighting done as this main room. And then we'll determine... I like the idea of him disappearing, so he's not just like waiting in the back room hurrying, but because he had to disappear in a hurry, they, they can still go through here. And I'll I, honestly, it'll probably be late, and I'll probably just montage You know, once this fight is over. Not even really have them like explore these rooms, really, but just describe like, oh, you find this, you find this, you find that. Here's your treasure, and boom, we're done. Just because I anticipate this being a pretty long, lengthy fight.
But uh, I think it'll be cool. I think it'll be a neat opportunity to show off a Mind Flayer. I love the idea of the uh, Roper being created right then and there and showing off how powerful uh, at least that particular you know Mind Flayer can be. Uh, and getting some further context into, oh shit, this is where they created these armies and we're dealing with all these sea creatures and basically nobody from Fiskerbach, except for those few people who were in the Wreck of the Golden Crown, um, are able to be rescued, alas. And then starting next week, we're going to have to talk. It's it's going to be nuts because Chapter 2 is going to be wild with all the stuff I'm going to have to add and, and change and, and create in order for to create this big attack scene that I want uh, to use because there's no real, there's only like one map per city that's used. I want to try to use as much as I can and really create a marquee, cool, like cinematic thing similar to what we did in uh, chapter four of Rhyme with the, the dragon attack uh, in East Haven specifically. I try to create a scenario like that where there's like a city under siege and the party has to do different things um, and have a chance at repelling. That's going to be crazy to talk about that, but we're going to have to do that because I have, like, no maps or anything. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of work. All right, I think that will do it for this Crafting the Deep. If you enjoy the content, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. Shouts to Planet Patrons, Joe, Will, Thomas, Stan, Brandon, Cinecider, Eclectic, Role Player, Role, Christopher, Corey, Big Nut, John F., John L., Scott, Eric, Tyler, Nathan, Camp Crystal Lake, Counselor, Andrew, Daryl, The Reldron, Captain Woody, 79, Stephanie, Andy, Patrick, Jason T., Ishmael, Amit, Lumpy, Spuds, and gold patrons, RPG Papergrams, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Elizabeth Lounge, Sam, Jerome, Nathan, Fans Like a Tortoise, Scott, Rufus, Carolyn, Jerry, Thomas, and Glenn. Thank you all much. Thank you all. Thank you all much. Thank you all much for your support. <laughs> I will see you for DD tomorrow. Does the music work? It does. <laughs> right.